Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey now, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy to be with you today. If you haven't done it yet, give us a follow on Facebook, part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network, also on Instagram. That's right, Thrill Me Podcast Network is on Instagram. Give us a search there as well as TikTok and YouTube. Uh, new episodes already out this week of Haunter's Podcast. A uh, really fun one. Brooke Two makes an appearance this week to give her thoughts on the movie The Black Phone being featured at Halloween Horror Nights. Her thoughts on the movie. Also, her anticipation of the Halloween house. Because uh, we really haven't gotten much from Halloween Horror Nights this year. So, we thought it would be fun to bring in somebody that is getting her first experience of Universal Studios, her first Florida trip, her first time at Halloween Horror Nights. Like this is this is a first among first. Uh, not her first flight though. Uh, she has had many of those and she's going to be my calming force on that flight. Uh, but either way, we it was a great time having her on uh, and since Zach and Brooke are officially on their vacation, uh Looks like she's going to be back as well, and we might have a little Halloween Horror Nights news to talk about, because uh, this event is getting way too close, so Haunter's Podcast in full swing, uh, which brings me to my buddy review at Rob. If there is breaking news with Halloween Horror Nights at any point before next week's episode, he will be joining us to discuss about it. His new show is out. He talks Bob's Burgers, uh, as well as... Uh, many, many things, uh, but the Bob's Burgers review uh, for me was the big one because I reviewed that a while back on this show, got to see it in theater, so I was very curious to find out where Rob stood on that, so go check out the review at Rob's show, uh, and he is also hanging out with his brother Tombstone Josh this past week on the Metal Groove. That was a real fun episode. They talked about Rockstar, the movie Rockstar with Marky Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg, the rapper turned actor, turned rock star, uh, and Jennifer Aniston, and I was shocked to learn some things about that film. Uh, there was a lot of fun facts about it, but it was really cool to hear their discussion. I will admit, not one of my favorite movies, but their discussion has me interested to go back and give it a rewatch, so go give that a listen to as well, and then tomorrow, my buddy Zach, he's going to have uh, a new episode dropping of Improper Guidance, so... Uh, get ready for that more fun conversation to be had with Zach and Improper Guidance. Now that the business is out of the way, a lot to get to this week. Going to kick things off right away. The big trailer that dropped, Halloween ends. And if you follow us on TikTok, Throw Me Podcast Network, as well as our Instagram Zach's already got his trailer reaction out for it, but it's time for me to dive into it, and uh, I thought this was a really cool trailer. If you haven't seen it yet, it's more of a teaser. I know they're calling it the trailer, and it came out while I was sleeping last night in what I assume is only because the trailer was already starting to be leaked. I guess overseas, the trailer was out. People were posting clips of it online, so... 
I did my best to avoid it. So when I woke up and I saw Halloween Ends was trending on Twitter, I thought that I I, I kind of thought it had everything to do with the leaks, only to find out that Jason Blum and company Universal were like, "Yep, get it out, get it out to the masses." And it's a little over a minute, so that's why I call it more of a teaser than a trailer, but it played as a really cool hype teaser to this is the end of a saga. This is the end of Lori versus Michael. This is going to be the conclusion until it makes a lot of money and we do it all over again. But this is it. This is going to be the final battle, and it's just such a cool intense minute 15 that doesn't give away too much uh, and really again just highlights the fact that this is a movie that is leading up to what is going to be the final battle between these two who will win will the boogeyman finally be destroyed or will Lori finally come to her grisly demise for a second time aka actually a third time twice by Michael in the Halloween franchise. What's going to happen? And I'm really into it. I really liked it. I thought I, I love seeing the kitchen battle. I love the way that the trailer mixed the two, uh, now the original John Carpenter's 78 classic, as well as shots from this current film. Uh, again, a lot of the plot, though, wasn't really showcased to us, you know, in between seeing a, a bunch of the fighting sequences between Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Michael Myers there were some shots of we saw her 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 uh her granddaughter uh is back as well so we 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 got a shot of her we got a shot of her new boyfriend like quick glimpses of some other people that it appears are going to die uh but for the most part this is just a trailer that to me hypes up the fact that this is a film that will live up to its title the way, for better or for worse, however you take it, the way Halloween Kills lived up to its title of it was a film about a lot of death. It was a really gory film. It, it's a, it was the opposite end of what we saw in Halloween 2018. Here are all the kills. Here's all the other stuff that happened that night. All the things we didn't get to see. And then the continuation of that night as well. So... Uh, like I really dug that. I like I liked Halloween Kills. I, I I this show was out. I gave it a a good review. I really did enjoy Halloween Kills. I know it's pretty divisive uh, amongst audiences and and people. Uh, you know, Brooke too isn't a big fan of it. I really enjoy it, but I I think that this is a trailer or or a teaser again that is really hammering home that this is going to be it this is the final battle the 40 years coming to a close Lori's been dealing with it michael gonna try and kill her she gonna try and kill michael and i will say i love the uh the one sequence of the trailer that really got me is seeing Lori's hand going towards that garbage disposal because i have a crazy fear about garbage disposals i really do i i i i worry that my hand's going to get in there and somehow it's going to turn. It it really is. Anytime I have to put my hand in there, I get so freaking nervous. I I blame Final Destination 2. Blame the Final Destination franchise for a lot of my fears. But it was a fear prior to that. 
It's not like my fear of flying, which I didn't like. I wasn't a fan of it. And then the movie came out and just wrecked me to where I was like, yep, there's, there's, let's just boom. Great. But yeah, I really liked that moment in the trailer. I, again, I like this trailer. I'm excited for it. I cannot wait for Halloween ends to come out this October. Uh, now, another story I wanted to talk about, there was, so Top Gun Maverick, of course, has been making a lot of money. It's Tom Cruise's biggest opening. It's absolutely been, it's 1.2 billion mark is what it's hit now at the global box office. Uh, it is a juggernaut of a film. And there's been a lot of talk about how Top Gun Maverick has saved the box office, saved the movie theaters. And that is when, recently, Sony Pictures, uh, their co-president, Sanford uh, Panich and Josh Greenstein, they sat down with Vulture, and they were talking about Sony Pictures' recent success, particularly during 2021 with films like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and Spider-Man No Way Home. And that's when Greenstein, for his part, explained that they were taking gambles by releasing big movies last year. And he went on to say, when we first started releasing movies last October, there were really no other big movies. Everyone had pushed their big movies to this year, to this summer. We took a big gamble putting Venom in theaters. We doubled down with Ghostbusters. Then our biggest bet was when every other temple had fled. We tripled down with Spider-Man, our biggest, most important piece of IP. And then Panic took it a step further with what many are calling a very eyebrow-raising take, and he came out and said, there's so much press about Top Gun right now, it's like the movie business is back in a weird way. I would say Top Gun is benefiting from us taking our shot. Venom is the start of that story that allows Top Gun to do the kind of business it did. These things don't happen overnight. It's a seeding. And a lot of people... I saw online start to kind of do that, huh? What? How dare? Now, I'm here to say they've got an argument, and they're, they have a point. Now, before we break down and say, like, well, Shang-Chi came out, and Godzilla versus Kong, and Free Guy, and all of that, there's still a little bit of, like, eh, with those, because Godzilla versus Kong was not just a direct to theaters, it was a streaming release as well, day and date. Uh, and, and Disney did that with a few of theirs as well, where they did it with Black Widow. They did the $30 Disney Plus premium access charge. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, they did it with. So there were a lot of films, yes, a lot of big films that did come out prior to Venom, but those studios were also dipping their toes in the safety net of they wanted their cake and they wanted to eat it as well. In the sense of, yeah, they released it in theaters, but they also took the low-risk gamble of it's going to make money at home. You know, Black Widow made a lot of money. But when you break it down between the two, it made a lot of money at home and a lot of money in the theaters, which is what made it one of a, one of of one of their best openings and a strong opening for the MCU. But it made a lot of money at home. The same thing with Mulan. I remember I did Mulan at home, uh, you know, as well. So I'm it helped the Mulan box office quote-unquote so Sony was the one that wasn't doing the day and date Venom was 
only in theaters, and it did go on to make $506 million. Ghostbusters Afterlife earned $197 million at the box office. Spider-Man No Way Home opened to $1.9 billion worldwide. And it had the gigantic $260 million opening as well at the end of the year that blew the doors off of everybody else. So the fact of the matter is Sony has a point and they did commit fully to theatrical releases in the back half of 2021. And you can say that it it is the argument of you have to walk before you can run. So Sony walked, which has allowed Paramount to run right now because Sony showed they, they kept the box offices open. They made sure that movie theaters didn't struggle, that they weren't getting, uh, that they, that they were getting, I should say these blockbusters that, that they were getting the films that they knew audiences would want to show up to. And it showed the power of it. Venom's 90 million opening weekend was more than it's, the first film had made its opening weekend. That was also in the middle of a pandemic because we are still in a pandemic. We're not out of it yet. I know we all just kind of are acting like we are because I believe the entire world and specifically Americans, we all have ADD. We kind of focus in on things for about up to two years. Once we start creeping on the on a third year of it, it's, we stop caring. It, it's with everything. It's, it's with wars. It's with pandemics. It's with politics it's with all of that stuff we we get very distracted very easily we only focus in on it for a short period of time and then we move on to something else so I know we all think we're out of the pandemic but we're not it's still a thing so the pandemic box office for for Venom to have a 90 million open like that like that's impressive in the pandemic box office but nobody else was kind of there and I know that you could say, well, what about Paramount? You know, Paramount as well was killer last year. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Jackass Forever, Scream, The Lost City. But those all might not have had a chance to be in theaters if Sony didn't have their films going out in 2021. But, you know, then again, as I mentioned, some of the finer points, we could look at the fact that, well, in 2020, if Warner Brothers didn't release Tenet, Disney released the new mutants you that really was the beginning more so than Venom but I think it is fair to say that if you're looking at the box office and when people really committed to going back to the theaters it was Venom it was we all really want to see Venom because the audience that went to see Tenet Tenet was successful but it, it was a very skewed audience I'd say because we we all know Christopher Nolan has his diehards and then there are the people like me that are like, I, that's a movie that I just have to go see in theaters. So went to see it. The New Mutants film, the fact that Disney had the balls to release it is why I went to go see it because what it was being hyped as, what it ended up being, all of that, there was enough around it that made me go, well, you know, this film's been through so much. And plus, like, the six years it took for that movie to come out, the amount of delays it went through, it was like, if they're going to release it, I'm I'm going to go support it. It's what I did with the first Sonic movie. The big the big reason to go see the first Sonic film was they heard us all say, "Hey, that design's gross." And they were like, "Okay, we hear you. We're going back. We'll fix that." So, I it, it, just an interesting story that broke. I uh, I was really fascinated by it because I I really think Sony has a case to be made. 
I really do think that in short, Sony deserves some credit and can make the point of Top Gun Maverick is experiencing the box office it is because they were really the studio that took the risk of, hey, we're going to keep releasing our films in theaters. We're not going to do day and date. We're not going to sell them off. We're not going to do that. We're not going to offer them on a streaming service at a premium price. They said, here are our films. We're committed to the theater. Let's go. And a part of Top Gun being, you know, and there was nothing wrong with pushing these films back to 2022. You see that we're having a very successful summer blockbuster season, even if the films are are wonderful like Top Gun Maverick or they're like Jurassic World 3, you know, where they're there for you to enjoy your popcorn and see things on the big screen again in the summertime and get out of the heat wave that we're experiencing. So, uh, yeah, Sony and Venom 2 helped the box office and they helped pave the way for Top Gun Maverick's success. It's, it's, I just laid out the case for you. I just explained it to you and you know what? You can't argue with me. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put my foot down on it. Uh, this week is a very exciting week as well. Uh, this is the beginning of Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con is back. And after the last two years, it is uh, very exciting to say San Diego Comic-Con is back live in-person convention. Uh, the last time that they had an in-person convention at San Diego, no one had heard of Baby Yoda. It was 2019. So just think about that. The, the world wasn't even introduced to Baby Yoda yet the last time there was an in-person convention in San Diego. Or, I should say, in San Diego. Uh, COVID, of course, stalled 2020. 2021, they went virtual. Not to mention, Marvel didn't even bring anything last year, so... It has been very uneventful the past two years. Like, yeah, we've been getting cool things out of it, but it feels like the hype, you know, really wasn't there for it. But this year, the hype, I got to tell you, if you're not excited for it, you really should be because it's going to be a huge year. Not only are we back live in person uh, and the anticipation level in my eyes is, is, is skyrocketing, but we do have a lot to be excited for. I mentioned Marvel didn't bring anything last year, but... Marvel Studios is showing up this year. They have a star-packed, highly secretive Saturday evening panel. that It's considered the high point of the entire convention. What are they going to bring? Again, it's all secretive. We really don't know what they're bringing. If I had to make a guess, though, based on where we're heading and some of the things Kevin Feige has said, I know he's come out and said that their, their Phase 4 is going to make a lot more sense really soon, so I feel as if they are going to start clarifying a lot of what Phase 4 is, what Phase 5 is going to be, where we're going with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because some of the stories we've seen so far, it's not really clear what's happening. And they've also been either prequel film to the death of one of our original Avengers, spoilers, Black Widow, ah, weird kind of setups in the television shows, uh, Miss Marvel is probably the only one that is really directly clear to like, we went into that show knowing, hey, that show is going to find us a way to lead into the second Captain Marvel movie, the Marvels. So we, that one had like a connective tissue 
to things we know, but everything else has kind of just felt like a, all right, where's this going? Where's this going? Where the, where's this going? All right, we've opened up the multiverse, but what does that really mean? All right, we've, we've, we, we did the Spider-Man movie, but what does this really mean? We've done this. What does this really mean? Everything's kind of still up in limbo, so I feel like they're going to bring a little more of a connective tissue to that. Also, we're absolutely going to get our first glimpses and our first real idea of what Black Panther Wakanda Forever is. I feel that this is going to be their... I, I believe Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3... Those are going to be the two big ones that they present, not to mention we're going to probably get more details, uh, again, about projects like Blade and stuff. I'm partly interested in the idea of, are they going to roll out the Fantastic Four, or are they going to roll out the Doctor Doom thing? Because Howard made that comment, that went very viral, Howard Stern, of course, that when the mics were still on, and I believe that that was actually all, uh, Howard Stern and his people have been doing that for so long, I believe that this is actually a publicity stunt that he is a part of with that, and I believe that they left those mics on for this reason, but he made the comment of, oh, I'm going to do that, that Dr. Doom, I'm going to film Dr. Doom. I think this is where we're going to get more details about what's going to happen with the Fantastic Four and possibly find out who's in the cast and maybe find out, you know, that John Krasinski is not Mr. Fantastic and they're going with somebody else. I've seen a few things online, but it's very it's very exciting to know that Marvel is showing up and they're still going to the D23 convention as well. So, But if they're coming to San Diego Comic-Con, they're coming to unveil some things that are going to get us really hyped and they're not going to hold back. I don't think they're going to hold back if they're coming and they got the big Saturday night and they've got a primetime spot. Like, they're coming to bring it. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Guardians Volume 3, those are going to be the two big ones. And I think we're going to see some 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 interesting celebrities roll out on stage. Uh, you got Prime Video. They're coming with the Amazons, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. It's been billed as the most expensive show in TV history. It's going to bring never-before-seen footage from the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, Tolkien! Tolkien! Uh, South Park fans, you get it. Uh, to Hall H. It's going to be led by showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. That's going to be happening Friday. Warner Brothers is going to be showing up as well, and they're going to be showing out. Uh, they're not letting MCU get all the glory, but we know what they're bringing to Hall H on Saturday. Uh, they've got Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He's going to be offering a look at his anti-hero flick, Black Adam. Shazam sequel, Fury of the Gods, starring Zachary Levi, Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu. They're showing up. Uh, noticeably missing, of course, is The Flash. That's very much obviously due to Ezra Miller. Even though Warner Brothers says that it's not yet touting its 2023 films. But if you remember in years past, they've shown up and they've shown footage of projects as far as 16 months away from release. So they're just, they're going to do this. This is how The Flash is going to come out. They're just going to West Side Story this thing. Because if you remember when West Side Story was coming out, Ansel, uh, he, 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 not, he not a fan of, uh, people not a fan of his. He's got a little bit of a shadiness to him. 
So that was being brought up and they just kept him off of the press for the film. He was kept out of everything. It was Steven Spielberg and everybody else. And that's what they're going to do with The Flash. They're not going to let Ezra Miller promote this film. They're not going to really promote it. They're just, they're going to promote it on the fact that Michael Keaton's back. They're going to use Keaton. They're going to use everybody else but Miller. They're going to release it. It's going to make money. And it's going to succeed. And then Warner Brothers is going to make a decision on whether or not they replace Miller, which, you know, at this point, you should be replacing him. Or they're just going to put Flash projects on hold and that film is going to be enough of a catalyst for them to just move on and do other DC comic projects. Uh, but that's that's how you handle The Flash from this point forward. Uh, HBO is showing up with the Game of Thrones uh, with the prequel series House of the Dragon, which is a nice return for them. Uh, the Game of Thrones used to be a regular at Hall H, but now they're taking up the mantle with the prequel uh, this Saturday. They're going to offer an extensive look at the highly anticipated series. I'm excited to see that. Uh, it's going to have also, they're going to accompany, accompany it with an interactive experience uh, featuring a ceremonial dragon hatching. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool as well. If you're if you're heading to San Diego Comic-Con, you'll get to see that. Uh, but I'm excited to see what comes out of that. I've been very curious about this Game of Thrones prequel. HBO's trying to put a lot of money and a lot of uh, effort into having that 10-pole series, and they think Game of Thrones is the way to go. So House of the Dragon, I'm curious to see what happens there. I uh, talked about them a little bit earlier, Paramount. Three years ago, Tom Cruise, that's when he showed up at Comic-Con to show that now billion-dollar grossing film Top Gun Maverick. Show off the trailer for that. This year, they're bringing Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which is the highly anticipated uh, adaptation of the popular role-playing game starring Chris Pine. So we'll see what that has to offer. I will say there is very few movies that I have never finished. No matter how bad a film is, I usually finish it. The only movie I have never finished is Dungeons and Dragons. The one that came out with Marlon Wayans in 2000. Yeah, I tried. I never finished it. Uh, Apple TV, the streamer, they're going to be taking their first trip to the con with a full lineup of panels. Most notable being the Emmy-nominated Severance, uh, the executive producer Ben Stiller, Cast members Adam Scott, Britt Lauer, uh, Trammell Tillman. Uh, they're all going to be participating. Netflix is also showing off the Pricey Sandman series. Uh, so that's going to conjure up stars and producers for the adaptation of the seminal DC comic. Uh, they're going to be at Hall H. That panel is going to come weeks ahead of the August 5th debut of the series. So that's some cool stuff. And uh, other things that are, you know, really exciting as well. Uh, to keep an eye on National Treasure franchise. Uh, they're going to be showing off a little bit of that. The Disney Plus series, so the younger cast. We're going to get some info on that. William, That's going to be on Thursday. William Shatner is also going to be there Thursday. He's heading to Hall H this year, debuting the first footage from a brand new documentary of himself. That's going to be moderated by Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith's going to have a panel as well on Saturday night. Uh, he's going to be showing off, I believe he said, I believe he teased the first five minutes or five plus minutes of Clerks 3. He's going to show off in the panel. 
Uh, he's also doing stuff as well throughout the weekend, He-Man, other things like that. Uh, I'm super stoked for the Gremlins panel. That's going to be on Friday. We're going to get some info and some footage from the new animated show. Uh, Saturday, Chucky Season 2 panel. So we're going to get some Chucky stuff. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think we might actually get a real trailer trailer instead of that quick teaser that we got about a week ago now. So uh, I'm, I'm ready for that. I know my buddy review it. Rob is ready for that. If you haven't watched Chucky Season 1, Peacock, go give it a watch. Zach, that's specifically for you and... Anyone else, if you again, if you have not watched Chucky Season 1, go give that a watch. What a show. Uh, and then speaking of shows, uh, I'm really stoked on this one. I don't care. For nearly a decade, The Walking Dead has been a Comic-Con mainstay. And this year, the final time The Walking Dead main show is going to be showing up at Hall H... And doing its thing before it comes to an end, because they're hyping up the final, the final episodes of the final season of the main show. Um, this is the one that I think is really going to be a, a fun one to keep an eye on, even if you're not a fan of the franchise. Think about it for 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 a lot of people coming out to this year's this Comic Con with this. It's the last time. It's the last time Norman Reedus and. Melissa McBride and, and all of them are going to be sitting there together on that Comic-Con stage to talk about this show that really did, no matter, again, for better or for worse, I know some people, uh, I, I know if you're listening and you're a longtime HHN visitor, you have a bad taste in your mouth because The Walking Dead was featured so much and you feel like it was overexposure for some other people. They quit on the show, thinking it, it ran its course. For some of us, like me, I've been with the show the entire run. Either way, this is going to be the emotional one. This is going to be the big one that that you're going to get a lot of cool stuff from, uh, and it's going to be a fun a fun one to check out uh, after you know wh- when it's uh, when it gets out there. So uh, Saturday going to be a emotional one for me and Walking Dead fans, and I really think for anybody who's a fan of this type of stuff to see to see the culmination of the work that you've done. You know, a decade of all of those actors and performers' lives is 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 about to be the final time that they go out to Comic Con to be with all their fans in Hall H, that packed out hall in San Diego. Going, here's what we got for you, one last time. With that being said, time to uh, get on out of here. Thanks for hanging out this week. Remember, rate, review the show, uh, share it with friends, family, and everybody else you think that would enjoy it. Until next time, peace and love. <laughs>